Hi, and welcome to The Intersect. I'm Eric Tischler. Apt Associates tackles complex challenges around the world, ranging from improving health and education to assessing the impact of environmental changes. For any given problem, we bring multiple perspectives to the table. We thought it would be enlightening and maybe even fun to pair up colleagues from different disciplines so they can share their ideas and perhaps spark new thinking about how we solve these challenges. Today, I'm joined by two of those colleagues, Nicole Keene and making a second appearance on The Intersect, Gabriel Kreeshock. Nicole is a healthcare quality process improvement expert and a registered nurse. Her clients include the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid and the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. Gabriel is a data scientist who manages App's diverse portfolio of information and communication technology for development. Welcome. Hi there. Great to be here. Uh, Nicole, I'm going to start with you. Uh, as we're recording this, we're waiting deep in the COVID-19 pandemic and healthcare systems are overwhelmed. One of the challenges is that we need to practice physical distancing to help flatten the pandemic's curve, but that makes it difficult for healthcare workers to treat and diagnose patients, right? Yes. Thanks, Eric, for having me. Um, it seems like every day we're hearing something different as far as um, the changing world out there with COVID-19 and how it's affecting clinicians, scientists, uh, regular folks like all of us. What I'm hearing from my colleagues in the field um, is that because there's a lack of protective equipment, they're trying to do their best to manage patients as remotely as possible. So we're starting to hear a lot about telehealth and how to use it. Right. And that's not something that's typically been widely embraced, right? That's not, that's not a, a mainstay of health services provision, right? Well, you know, interestingly, it's been kicking around for many years, uh, but with our healthcare system, a lot of it is about, you know, what are you getting reimbursed for? So um, it's become reimbursed recently, but there's still a lot of um, requirements that need to be met in order to use it. But interestingly, you know, what's happening now, CMS has released um, multiple uh, policy changes on telehealth. And we're hearing that things are loosening on those restrictions. And uh, the hope is that clinicians <laughs> know what those loosening restrictions are and are using telehealth. But we're not quite sure if that's happening completely everywhere. Okay, so let's talk a bit about that. Um, and, and I'm going to get to Gabriel in a second. But first, let's just talk a bit about what kind of uh, information do we want to be gathering remotely? Yeah. So, um I come at it as a clinician, so I'm thinking about, you know, how does the patient enter the system? And that could be any system. That could be a hospital. That could be a client at a community health center, et cetera. Um, but they're usually the ones seeking out some sort of care need. And so the problem with COVID-19 is if you're saying, okay, everyone should just be not coming in, but contacting us for health. You know, how does the patient learn about that? Does their insurer notify them? Does Medicaid? Does Medicare? So what we're hearing in the field is some systems are pretty quick to come up with a system of letting their patients that are usually come to their center know that they should be using anything but coming in person. Maybe it's a telephone. Maybe they're uh, on the site's website page. Maybe they have an actual portal. But um, the bit of a barrier is it has to be HIPAA compliant. You have to maintain patient privacy, basically. And how do you do that? Do you, can you use a different non-traditional source? Can you use Facebook? Can you use WhatsApp? So that's sort of all out there right now being questioned. 
Gotcha. So, so it's sort of a two-way, right? The one there's communicating out to patients, and then there's obviously again the intake. Uh, Gabriel, when you hear all this, what are you thinking? You know, it seems like the the COVID nineteen has really acted as a as a catalyst to really bring to the forefront a lot of these sort of challenges and the intersection of a lot of the talent challenges related to uh, digital health that that we've you know seen over the years, uh, just not all at once and in so many different areas. So I think as, as Nicole mentioned, you know, the, what is the policy uh, environment landscape like for doctors being able to talk to patients? You know, what are the, the different platforms that they're able to use? What sort of uh, conversations can you have? How are the records being stored or managed? Um, how do you communicate with the patients in the first place? If you don't already have uh, pre-existing sort of established modes of communication, you know, I don't think that anything um, that we're talking about is really fundamentally new in this space. Uh, but I think, you know, the, the necessity is the mother of invention. You know, we're just seeing a real uh, earnest effort to really try and understand how we can actually use these platforms, how we can actually adapt to this new reality uh, and adopt, you know, digital transformation in the midst of, of this crisis. Um, and, and I think you're seeing some really significant challenges, but also some really interesting opportunities uh, are being created out of it as well. So can you talk to the opportunities? Like, what, you know, given what Nicole just said, what are some ideas that leap out to you about, you know, how to, how to establish these secure connections? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think a, a real good example to build off of what Nicole mentioned around privacy and, and sort of the, the loosening, uh, um, and that might not be the best word, so I'll, I'll defer to Nicole on how to articulate, you know, the, the HIPAA regulations and what, what happened, what is happening there. But I think um, just being able to acknowledge that doctors can talk to their patients now, sometimes, you know, across state lines, or, or they can, uh, there's something about being able to practice over uh, across state lines, um, and then being able to um, use different modes of communication to to talk with them either either through the phone, through email, through you know some of the like Zoom conferencing, um, like televideo uh, services and things like that. So so there's you know obviously those are some more obvious um, places. And then when you start to think about uh, you know end to end encryption and data security and privacy, you're starting to see you know, services that explicitly pop up or or even just that it, those issues are being addressed at a high level. You're seeing a lot of conversation and dialogue around, well, is this particular platform, um, you know, what are they doing with their data? A lot more uh, sort of attention spotlight is being put onto these services to ensure that, you know, the data surveillance and, and capture isn't um, used being used for wayward purposes, or at least that people are being informed about um, what's actually happening to the data that they're uh, putting into these platforms. Okay, so um, Nicole, what telehealth solutions are in play and what do we know about those challenges specifically that maybe those practitioners are facing? Yeah, no, that's really interesting, um, Eric. So I do a lot of quality improvement work. So we have these group discussions with multiple health systems. We just had one yesterday for a federal project on opioids, and we wanted to hear sort of what are the barriers, what's happening. And so we heard firsthand one site has gone to all telehealth, all mm -hmm. telehealth. Mm -hmm. 
they've shut down some of their physical sites and they've just completely moved to a telephone-based system where they're having medical assistants set up the appointment and then the clinician hops on to do what they need to do. CMS has already released um, ICD-10 codes and you know other types of codes so that folks can get reimbursed. Um, obviously, that's not the biggest need, but you know, no margin, no mission. Um, and then also, I am hearing clinicians are doing their best to document explicitly why they're doing what they're doing, such as uh, patient seen due to uh, no ability for in-person visit due to COVID-19. The other thing I've heard, someone's using some technology called Doxy. Now, I don't know if that's a regular telemedicine uh, program that's now just um, allowing their product to be used for free, but that one system was using Doxy. And then I've heard some systems just have frozen, and they're mm -hmm. still in the midst of putting together a, an operations-based solution. So I think it's, it's all over the place as far as how well systems are managing the patients that need to be seen for everything, not just potential COVID-19 right. rollout. Mm -hmm. Right. Is there a lowest common denominator for people who are maybe don't have a lot of access to um, technology? In terms of what, you know, your sort of floor is, I guess, in terms of, um, you know, your lowest common denominator of, of, you know, access. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I work a lot on international projects. So, uh, you know, it, it's while we might have some very sophisticated, amazing web platform, uh, that works quite well in the U.S. Maybe that only works well if you have, you know, high-speed bandwidth, low latency, which means that the connection from my computer to the computer that I'm connecting with to that server or that service uh, is very quick. Um, so I'm not waiting for a lot of response times. Um, things like that, you know, we often take that for granted in places uh, like the U.S. But you go to, um, you know, many other places in the world and, you know, you struggle to find a 3G uh, data connection on your cell phone. You struggle to find uh, Wi-Fi, uh, to say nothing of high-speed broadband, always on internet access. And so what you've seen is a lot of, over the years, has been a lot of really interesting innovation around, you know, offline-first platforms and approaches that sort of, you know, assume that everyone is going to be offline, that, you know, your phone, as that lowest common denominator, has to be able to hold, you know, the relevant information on it. And if it gets access to a server, uh, or a data connection that it's able to use that uh, bandwidth uh, efficiently to be able to, you know, not uh, require the, the full bandwidth to be able to get data services from it and to sort of ramp up step by step as you get access to better services. One great thing about that setup is that that's been ported over to places in the U.S. And so you'll hear a lot about offline first or progressive web apps, uh, which are cutting edge technologies that rely on similar principles that were developed uh, in a lot of ways for purposes uh, in, in, the, in the global south in, in the developing world. So um, we're seeing a lot of advances like that. And, and I think you see some similar sort of approaches here, thinking through what is the worst case scenario, that offline first scenario that, you know, do, do we have SMS connectivity? Check, you know, okay, then let's, like, how are we approaching that? Do we have a voicemail, um, you know, system? Do we have IVR, interactive voice response, right? So um, that allows you to go through a sort of nested uh, phone listing, phone tree sort of situations just from your phone touchpad. You know, these are technologies that have been around a long time and, 
and for good reason. They're reliable, they work, we've tested them in a lot of different um, ways and languages, and they work. So a lot of good stuff there. I think that's a, you know, those, those sort of building up from those technologies is a good place to start. Let me answer real quick about right there for people who don't even know to ask these questions, maybe. And, and Nicole, I don't know if you feel like these are questions people are already asking. I, it sounds like there's a wide range of people with a wide range of knowledge. Um, you know, where might people look for those kinds of solutions? Like, you know, what, what, what's your first step if you need to build something from the ground up to find those answers? You know, let me just hop in here and, and yeah, respond to Gabriel because I think it's interesting that, and I've been thinking about this a lot, um, you know, in our very high-tech world and things have changed and I'm thinking about when I practice as a clinician 20 years ago how much things have changed um, you know we didn't have um, iPhones back then so it was very much uh, old-fashioned using telephones paper uh, which mm. creates all sorts of problems regardless but I think the floor really is uh, the base that you need to have is a telephone because folks are using mm -hmm. their clinical skills to be able to um, assess folks uh, you know through questions very basic questions can get you moved from okay you need to get a test and here's the order for it or no you know I think you can stay at home and call us back in 48 hours I think nowadays if we could at least have all the at least have that all of the clinicians have some sort of a basic smartphone during this time. I think that would help a lot to go with triaging and managing things remotely. I'm so, nodding emphatically yeah. over here. That's a really good point. <laughs> I, I, I agree completely. Yeah, and I think that's the right, the right thing to do. So everyone's got a cell phone, or everyone's got a smartphone, rather. Um, that's a baseline, I guess. So then getting back to what you were saying, Gabriel, you know, what's the way that people can sort of start to look at this holistically? I, I, I've got my smartphone. I need to connect with my patients or potential patients. What's my next move? Part of these, you have to bucket them off into, you know, is this a technology question? Is this a privacy question? Is this a mm -hmm. compliance question? And I, I you know, and I, I do know that um, that the the privacy and security piece is is a big piece of it that a lot of um, that's being discussed on all sides, not just from the sort of clinical side, but from the consumer health side, from the um, the political side, the the governmental landscape and regulatory environment. And so, you know, what are the what are the safeguards that people need to put in place? So, so that gets to the, another question I wanted to ask, and I'll ask you, Nicole. Would it be helpful to sort of have an exercise where people crosswalk, you know, what are the, the, the privacy needs, the legal needs and the data gathering needs to sort of figure out what solutions are really going to work. And pretty long-term, like into the, what you've both been saying, I, um, you know, coming out of this, hopefully, um, you know, we have some more robust solutions in place for the future. So is that an exercise worth pursuing, Nicole? So, you know, I'll answer that twofold. Uh, first off, what I'm hearing is clinicians are just giving patient care. That's coming first. Mm -hmm. They're not worrying sure. about anything else. And so they're just doing it and let the chips fall where they may after everything hopefully cools down quickly. Uh, but secondly, the genie's out of the bottle. Telehealth is will be used because this will go on for longer than probably the short term, you know, will clinicians go back and say, okay, I was able to use that one time, but you're not going to let me use that now. 
especially when it was very effective, uh, more patients could be seen, perhaps they could be seen quicker. So moving forward, you know, that crosswalk that you speak of, Eric, you know, would be necessary, I hope, to justify that telehealth will be used more often after the pandemic. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we need that um, subject matter expertise in health and data and digital. And and that's why we call this podcast The Intersect. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. And thank you for joining us at The Intersect. In the spirit of social distancing, Nicole and Gabriel called in to engineer John, recorded them safely from his home studio. We hope you're staying safe too.